Amen. Amen. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Good morning. Where to begin? There's so much to cover. There's no way I could do it uh, justice or in one day. <clears throat> Just um, sleep deprived on top of it all and such. But uh, let's start here. Uh, Gino Cunningham last week came, uh, filled pulpit, preached, did a thing on the Great Commission. Just appreciate Gino so much. And obviously he's on the podcast. If you want to go back, you can look it up. And one of the most consistent guys I know, loves the Lord, uh, helped start a church out in the Central Valley after being with us for about four years. And just great to hear him and have him stay as part of our congregation loosely and so uh, we'll have him back again but wanted to say publicly how much I appreciated uh, what he shared last week and uh, and that was good if you missed it go go back and look at it um, and then secondly uh, India uh, Brent and I were off and had just an amazing time um, you should you should travel with Brent at some point to a foreign country because um, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a giant white guy. And everybody wants to take a picture with him and touch him and hug him. And he was an instant celebrity everywhere we went. We went to one place uh, called Red Fort, and it was this massive crowd and looking at this old ancient fort that used to be the center of government for them and the whole thing. And the crowd everywhere, we, they were like following him. And it was funny because they were trying to sneak shots of him after he'd walked by. It was really entertaining. Um, and I, I became his handler. It was the weirdest thing. Like, okay, uh, he's done now. Thank you. All right, come on, right this way, sir. Um, so that was great. But we, we, uh, we got into India and went to some ministry sites and uh, just the Pied Piper. Students coming up to him and wanting to talk to him, the whole thing. And I missed a shot that I wish... I saw it from across campus and I was running over there with my phone. It's like, I got to get a picture of this. But he's got a group of students around him. He's got his hands on their heads and he's praying over, blessing them and the whole thing. It was moving and I'm not as fast as I used to be. So I missed that one. But um, it was an amazing time. I want to cover it and do it justice as much as possible. We landed Friday night, I think. I've been... <laughs> delirious ever since we were on a plane for literally between the layovers and stuff like 24 hours so uh i want to take this week and go over some videos and things and look at what we can show you and what we can't show you um and then next sunday i'd like to do kind of a full report right come back with the uh the yearly report of what we what we saw and the ministry and the people some reflections. I want to show some videos and some things uh, that we will uh, not be able to put online. And we'll get into that next week. So I want to say, uh, especially to you people on YouTube, love you. Uh, come in person next week because we're going to turn off the feed next week. Maybe we'll start with worship um, and that'll be on and we'll see part of that and we'll do the beginning. Um, but once we get to sermon time, we get into the other stuff about India We'll, uh, we'll be cutting the feed at that point. So we'd love to see you in person and have you be part of the full update and see everything. But we wanted to let you know a week in advance that um, we, we will uh, we'll be off air um, so that we can talk about some of the amazing things that God is doing. Um, but I want to I tease you just a little bit with a clip. We, um, we almost didn't get to experience any of it. We had a... Uh, we had a, a crash. Our bus locked up brakes and slammed into a truck in front of us on the freeway in India in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, praise be to God. No one got hurt. Uh, it actually ended up being a little bit amusing, standing on the side of the road for an hour and a half waiting for cars. And cars eventually ar uh, arrived. And we were in pretty good spirits. I got a little short little video here. We'll we'll show. Oh, we got feet on because I don't have the monitor in the back up, so I can't see what we're doing. Oh, we got to get audio first. <laughs> Restart. people in the four cars. 
So uh, there were some light moments like that and, uh, and, and some great stuff, and we'll show you more of that next week. Um, and then later, uh, in the, later today, I'm going to show you one more video uh, as another little commercial for next week. So, uh, but thank you to you as a church, as a congregation. Some of you uh, donated toward the trip, and some of you are supporting uh, church planters, and that ministry and the whole thing. And I want to assure you, now that we've been there and we've actually seen it, it's 100% effective. It is totally legitimate and beyond my belief. It, I'm, I'm a little bit of a mess. Uh, you know, sometimes God grabs you and shakes you a little bit and says, um, you, you have no idea what's going on. That was the experience, that 10 days. Um, so we'll get into that. Uh, next week, we'll show a little bit in a, in a moment. Um, and for now, let's keep moving in our study of the book of Romans. We're chapter 12. We're going to do verses 3 through 8 this morning. We did verses 1 and 2 from chapter 12 two weeks ago. And then obviously we had Gina last week. Uh, Paul has given us great information about how God's system is set up. And what we think we know, what we compare and contrast, and how God works salvation towards His plan, how He organizes it, how He creates us, and uh, it's it's a bunch of great information. Uh, this morning is is kind of interesting because it really kind of fits for India in my mind after what we just experienced. Um, but let's let's pray, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into this idea of God gives us grace that's useful. Lord, thank you so much. There's uh, a, a very long list with many differing types of things that we could be thankful for this morning. I know uh, Brent and I were just in awe and amazement of you, really. And we saw people and places and things, Lord, but all of it drew our attention back to you. Thanks for the opportunity to experience and be ourselves. I pray what we read this morning about you through your word helps us understand the value and design of how you've made each one of us, uh, what we get to be and what you intended in this plan and how you've set everything up. Pray, Lord, and am so grateful today, more than ever, how your son the gospel, his finished work on the cross, how it fits into everything, literally everything, like Gino said last week, Lord. And so I, I pray you bless our time this morning. Pray that uh, your grace would hold us now, like we just sang. And so be with your word as it's presented. May you honor the public reading of Scripture, and may we grow from it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Uh, here we go. For by grace, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I was, uh, I think, with you laughing a, a couple weeks ago, talking about how my dad used to joke with me and had this little rhyme. He would say, Don't get wise, bubble eyes knock you down to peanut size right it would go on and on uh, this idea that my family is stressed with us regularly uh pride is bad you know never think of yourself better than anyone else and the whole thing i've translated that to my kids we i, I failed to teach them a rhyme but i use this phrase with my kids hey, hey are you the most important person in the room and that's a sarcastic question that they've over time learned and understood there's one answer to that question no uh, we have to be sober in our judgment, what it says, right? And to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. That's a very fancy, convoluted, many words way of saying what? This is um, Rock Bible Church. Welcome. Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community, and interactive. 
thinking about adding that to our thing. Interactive. Um, what's being said here in simpler terms? What's he asking of us? Be humble. Everybody agree? Okay, at home, you're agreeing too? You got your uh, bread and your wine ready for later? We're going to do communion here. Um, it says, uh, be humble. And then it says this, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You have a measure of faith. What's, what's that? My faith is being measured? Not really. A measure is you have a certain portion, right? If you said, how much water does you, do you have? Did you bring any water on the trip? Yes, how much did you bring? I brought a gallon size jug and I was trying to drink that. That's, that's a measurement. Uh, question is, you have an amount of faith. How much that faith is, is, is probably insignificant. How you use that faith is what Paul's getting at. Are you humble in your approach to it? Um, you can see if you get out your outline, look at the top, it says Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8, and then it has a title there, Useful Grace. Uh, Paul says we, he's got a grace that has been given to him. And then he says, now uh, in receiving that grace, in uh, experiencing that grace, I want to make sure that it's useful. I approach my faith with a measure of humility. Now, why is that? Any guesses? Because if you use something the wrong way, what happens? You ever used a hammer the wrong way? How's that go? Right? It doesn't go well because uh, there's certain things that hammers were not meant for. Right? You ever try to use a screwdriver as a hammer because you couldn't find the hammer? Okay, I made that mistake too many times. Paul says, look, there's a measure of faith, and then watch this, that God has assigned. Here's a part about Paul that bothers me. He regularly attributes to God intentional actions. God intentionally does things to us, for us, around us. Mince your words however you like. But uh, it's not faith that I grow, faith that I decide. No, it's a measure of faith and a, an ability to believe in Him that is assigned by God. This, this will take some thinking. This will take some wrestling over time as to what does this mean in your life. You know, what, is it, what is the faith amount of faith that God has assigned to me? Um, for me personally, the faith enough to stand on stage and preach a sermon. Uh, go to seminary, start a church, uh, raise some kids, uh, try to chase Julie a little bit. You know, there's certain things that I do that those are the things God has assigned to me that I have faith in Him for those things. Now, uh, are any two people the same in what measure of faith God has assigned them? No. And did any of us get to choose, careful, which measure of faith was given to us? It was assigned to us, right? Now, uh, those of us who like to think in theological terms and argue theology, we would say, well, do we have choice or did God assign everything? Well, we have some choice. But at the same time, it says here, whatever situation you're in, how'd you get there? He did it. Why did we wreck on the side of the road in the middle of India on a freeway? He decided it? He did, did he plan that? In some weird ways, it worked out really, really well. 16 people, side of the road, joking, laughing, uh, sweating. It was hot, bad air, dangerous. And we bonded. It was weird. Now, I... I choose to bond in other ways when I have a choice. But it made us late. And that Red Fort place I was telling you about that we went to visit where Brent was a rock star and everybody was following him, we ended up there several hours later. It was cooler, smaller crowds. It was much better. And I thought to myself, walking around this, this place two hours earlier would have been miserable. 
Huh. It's interesting to think um, that God assigns us things. Uh, there was another one uh, not too far behind in Paul in Romans here uh, that talks about the same kind of thing. That he's assigned us to disobedience. What? He would make it that we disobey? Yeah, there's something in the process where he helps us distinguish. What is the difference between him and us? And sometimes it's best to show us. Force us? I don't know. Pick your words however you want. Uh, but I give all control to him. And if he has all control, then what credit do we get to take? So you can't think too highly of yourself because you, he gets the credit, right? And he's assigned it. That's verse one or first verse, verse three, verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. Are we different? I just spent ten days fully experiencing that Brent and I are very different. <laughs> very very different i i just can't eat as much as him i just can't right uh and there's things that he can do and things that i can do where we function differently right um why does paul have to point this out to us i mean take one snapshot of anything and you'd say uh, none of the people look the same we should know that we're all different, and yet how do we tend to function? We like to compare and contrast. Why do we do that? Go back to the do not think too highly of oneself. We compare and contrast because we think that if our function is better than someone's, that we gain value, or we can prove value or show value. This is so backwards and even off the page. Where does our value come from? We're at church. We ask the question 90% of the time. The answer is our value comes from God. The Christ who died for us and then assigned us a measure of faith and made us exactly the way we are and placed us exactly where we are so that we can have a certain experience that's different from everyone else's. That sounds like every one of us is unique. And valuable? And so it begs the question, why do we keep chasing our value? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to prove our worth? If you have to prove your worth, you've already lost. Right? If you have to justify your argument, you've already lost the argument. Uh, we do not have the same function. We all function differently. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. I don't want to do your job ever. And, and, and I don't want you to do my job ever, because what am I going to do? <laughs> right? Uh, and we don't have all the same function. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. That means we differ on purpose because God ordained it. Let us use them. I love this sentence. This might be the pivotal sentence in the whole thing. Let us use them. God's given you a measure of faith, a measure of grace. Use it. For what? Whatever it is that you do. <laughs> what you have faith in God to provide for you, to accomplish, experience, be, whatever. Go do it. Why does God give us grace? You know, traditionally in the church, um, at least my experience, and I was thinking about this the other day, I've been in seven churches since I became a Christian as an eighth grader. Been in seven churches. And grace for me has been defined most of that time as Jesus died on the cross, and His grace means death has no hold on me now. I think we sang that earlier right so what has grace been for me the majority of the time i've been saved from my sin 
and I got some fire insurance. When I die, there's hope. I think I've missed most of it. What is grace about beyond the cross and beyond your time in this earth? Because there's a massive, all of your experience between the time you get salvation and the time you die, all of that time is for what? If grace is only when you, when you take salvation and then when you go to heaven, what do we do with all of your time? All of your time existing is between those two times. What's that time for? Use it! His grace holds me now. We sang that. Yeah? Hold you for what? So you can do stuff rather than just sit in your new status. Right? I can be a Christian. Great. I've accepted Jesus. Awesome. I raised my hand. I came forward. I was born again. Great. How does it affect Tuesday? What do you mean Tuesday? Wait, what's on Tuesday? Nothing. It's just a day of the week. How are you different as a person because you became a Christian? I was fascinated with what they're doing in India. They have started 40,000 plus churches in this group. I stood in a room with a hundred master trainers. What's a master trainer? I've never heard of them before. They're people who started 50 churches or more. There's a room of a hundred of them. Let's do simple math and call it at least 5,000 churches are represented in that, in that room. Except for a bunch of them decided that 50 wasn't enough. They're not Americans and do the minimum. Once they get to 50, they're saying, oh, let's do 45 more. Guy stood up, 95 churches he started. Whoa. Why? Because his grace holds him in the things that he can do now. Between now and the next life. Let's do something. The thing that blew me away about the simplicity of what they're doing is, is you know what they share? You know how, where they're, how they're getting all these conversions? They tell a story. Before Jesus, I was like this. I accepted Jesus. And now I'm like that. That's it. There's two stories. There's their story and there's the Jesus story. How have you changed? What's it done to you? Has it had an effect? That's a great question. You know, for them, it's changing things all the time. They live in, in a country that's like 90 degrees all the time. The AQI, AQI, what's that? The air quality index, the night before we flew home was 500. We shut down soccer in this valley when it gets to 100. It was five times that, and on the phone app, it was maxed out to the right. They live in that all the time. And here's what they care about. In spite of the witch doctors, demon possession, the lack of health, and physical issues that they deal with. They know that God's alive and well. How do they know that? Because people were a certain way. They accept Christ. They start praying and following Him and using the place they've been put with, the gifts they've been given, and they're changed. I have a video of us walking into a driveway with like 30 people sitting in a driveway that's their church i feel a little guilty about how comfortable our setup is right uh it's important for us to use the measure given us 
Because the question uh, he wants to ask us is, how useful is your grace? If he's gracious to us, if he died for you and you're going to a special place after your time on earth, then how's it changed today? Who have you talked to? Who knows your story? Who have you invited to church? Who have you invited to your house? Who do you serve? Who do you bless? Do you know what you do as a Christian? Right? As Christians, what, what do we do? How do we use our faith? Do we get baptized? Yeah? We take communion? I mean, we're going to take communion in a little bit. right? That's an ongoing thing. Why, why did Jesus hand them wine and bread say, do this often? Because you... Remember, because there's life in between when you accept Him and when you go to heaven. And you're going to need to remember regularly because He expects us to use it. So we get baptized. We do communion. Do we, do we pray? Is that expected? Do we fast? Sure. Do we read the Scriptures? Okay. What else do we do? Do we serve? Tithe? Or give? Right? If we just said, how are you doing on those seven things? Careful, this one's going to hurt. Are we doing as well as the 40,000 churches that have started in India in the last couple years? It's just those seven things. Whoa. How are you useful? How are you progressing in your faith? How are you growing that relationship with you? We stood in a house church, <clears throat> Brett and I, went to five house churches on Sunday, last Sunday. All right, five churches in one day, which is kind of awesome. All small churches, rural, middle of nowhere, super poor condition, just unbelievable what they're living in. Um, and, and the, the one guy's like, hey, yeah, Scott, you're going to be a pastor in this group and you need to do a little lesson at each church. Like, okay. It was funny because I, I asked one of the churches, I said, you're so happy. Why are you so happy? And they're, Jesus! <laughs> right? Right? They're funny because uh, if, if you want to get them excited, okay, all you have to do is say, Hallelujah! Right? And what do they do? No, 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 no. Nice try. That was not Indian hallelujah. Right? Let's try it. Okay, ready? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! All right, that's about a quarter of the volume. Every single person, they say, Hallelujah! Right? They get so excited. So why are you so happy? Jesus! They ask the question, Why are you still here? Not like, why haven't you gone home yet? today why are we still here we thought about the just the logical part of salvation like once we accept christ and this is covered in scripture like the moment you accept christ shouldn't shouldn't be like beat me up scotty right should we just go to heaven then we're done hey finally figured out the equation right that was one of the things i loved about math once you solve the equation the problem's over you gotta move on Let's go to recess. Why are we still here? Well, because everything here is so good on the planet. God wants us to continue to experience all the greatness of what is humanity and sinful nature, evil and all that kind of stuff. What's the point of us still being here? Use the stuff that he's given us. Why? I'll give you a hint. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, compelling, right? Now we say casual community, right? But compelling ourselves and why are you still here? Others. Apparently they're important. I, apparently God likes them enough that your vacation in heaven has been put on hold. 
He wants them. God is not slow about keeping His promises, as some count slowness, but He is patient, not wishing that any should perish. What's He want? He wants them all. <laughs> right? How many do you want? I'll take them all, please. <laughs> right? He wants, uh, you know, and so He says, look, use the stuff I've given you. Why? Because when, when people see God changing your life, what's it do to them? It changes them. I want some of that. You're telling me your left leg wasn't working and some lady came from another town and prayed for your leg and within a day you started feeling better and so you accepted Christ? Does that make sense? Yeah. I had a demon. Somebody came and prayed over me. Well, how'd you know you had a demon? The witch doctor told me. Okay. When they see these kind of things, they start to figure out that it works. One of my favorite stories was the guy who was really, really sick. I got to look over my notes and remember what he had, but no one could fix the, the doctors couldn't fix him. So he went to witch doctor and the witch doctor tells him, oh yeah, do this, do this. And then finally it's not working. The witch doctor finally says, you know, uh, I can't help you, but if you go over to the church and have them pray for you, that'll work. <laughs> what? Even the witch doctors in India have figured out that the God thing works. How did they figure that out? So some people were using the stuff that God's given them and actually doing it. It was changing their lives and people watch that and see that and go, hmm, maybe it's more than just a bunch of ancient writings that have good themes. At some point, that's what we have to decide about this book. Is this a commercial or a trailer for the real thing? Or it's just a great marketing scheme for the way to make a really lot of money with the most selling book of all time. You have to decide, do you want to use this or not? And I'm fascinated. In my own life, I mean, plenty of stuff didn't work. Right, Growing up, it's like, my parents are getting divorced. Everybody else's parents are together. What the heck is going on here? God. And the problem is, is I started talking to God, and that only goes one direction. You start figuring stuff out. Start, things start working, and boom, and then you're addicted, and now you're just doing God all the time, and it starts working. But I'm fascinated how many people come to me and say, hey, pastor, blah, 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 blah. Wah. And I say, well, have, have you prayed about it? No. Are you going to church regularly? No. Are you giving? No. Where do you serve? Nowhere. How did you expect this to work? It's like, Sam, I'm, I'm hungry. Oh, really? What have you eaten? Nothing. Why aren't you eating? Because I don't know. I don't have the energy because I'm hungry. What? At some point, we have to decide to jump in both feet. Amen? use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith hey if you don't believe that something's going to happen then don't pray about it move on to something you actually do believe in leave it to somebody else it'll get covered god always wins period and he doesn't need you he'll use other people and you'll miss out but you'll learn through the thing that you do pray about because you have that measure of faith to have a little more faith and maybe you'll get to varsity at some point that's the way it goes. In service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. It's weird. I, we, were talk, we went with 13 other people from the States. And one of them was talking to me. We had some bus rides <laughs> that were proof hell exists. Right? Because I, <laughs> I think hell is a never-ending bus ride in India <laughs> and I was trying to be polite and sit in the back seat bad choice anyways I'm having this conversation with the one person they're talking about blah 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 and there's like got on to me pastor and teaching and I was like well we do two services on Sundays and then we have a Monday study and a Wednesday morning study and uh, yeah, I teach like four times a week and they're like wow how do you do that and I remember thinking I don't understand the question 
do you mean, how do I do that? I'm designed for this. I'm trained for this. This is the only thing that I know. I stopped calling this work a long time ago because I have too much fun. It's not work. Why? Because that's, that's who I am. Portion of my faith and I'm a teacher, so I teach. But the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Like if you encourage people, then encourage them. Or you call them to something. Like you're into marketing or whatever, advertise, do a good job. The one who contributes in, in generosity. One who leads with zeal. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What's Paul saying? If you're going to do something, go all in. If you're going to be in a relationship, fully invest. If you're going to take a job, show up early, work hard, and stay late. If you're going to go to the buffet at the hotel with all kinds of Indian food, try one of everything. Right? I, it was amazing. I, I did not gain weight on the trip. I don't know how that happened. Right? Um, may the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen? Um, God's grace for us is meant to be an ongoing experience with us daily in unique and specific ways that uh, validate our value. Yeah? Let's look at some things useful grace is. All right? Uh, first thing that useful grace is, is it's assigned by God. It was very overwhelming to watch the effectiveness of what's going on with thousands and thousands of Christians, hundreds and hundreds of workers. They have a five-tier system from church planners to grassroots church planners to master trainers to regional directors to the top guy. They have a boy's home, a girl's home, a teenage institute kind of discipleship making thing. They've got groups of pastors in different states and regions that are overseen by different they have a, a four pillar system and each pillar has different things that they go and everybody understands all this stuff and for some of us we look at that and think i i planted one church in pleasanton california i kind of helped gino when he planned i i, I did one and a half churches not allowed to be in this room. These are all master traders. They've started 50 churches. I, I'll see you guys later. I, I got to leave. I don't qualify for this room. What's the problem with that? I'm comparing and contrasting. And, and I watched that room and I thought to myself, I could never, ever do what they do in India with rural, poorest people on the planet. They call them the, the Dalet, or Dalit. Sometimes they say the Dalit. It's tragic, the irony, the, the delete. Sounds like English word, to delete someone. The word actually literally means, it's their lowest class, the word literally means untouchable. They're so low, they're not even, like if you had a glass and you were drinking and you set it down on the table, they're not even allowed to touch your glass. And these people are going out and reaching those people and telling them they have value, that God loves them and they're coming to Christ and it's changing things. I stood in a room thinking to myself, there's no way I could do this. I'm an American, I have no concept of what they go through, what their life is. I can't even read their Bible, except for the numbers. Five. Oh, I recognize that. Right, chapter five. Okay, I was sitting next to this guy who's playing the drums, and we, I'm looking over his Bible, and I'm like, "Yeah, the only thing I recognize is the numbers, the verse numbers." And why? Because that's where God has assigned them. And and if I forget that God has assigned me here with you, what happens to me? What happens in my head and my heart? I start spinning. And all of a sudden, I lose my value. And, and by the way, what did I do to you two guys? Right? What did I do to you guys? 
you, you lost your value too. And to compare them, it's like, look at what they're doing. I feel like my ministry is, uh, it's like, no. God assigned me here. God assigned them there. What we do here is different. And the way we're effective with different cultures, I mean, the way it is. And we can complain. We can wonder. We can question God. We can cry about it. Or we could say, oh, this is where I am, huh? All right. Let's get going. Let's do some. How about chili and pie? Our culture does that. 5.30 today. All right. And then wonder, will people invite people to that or not? Or whatever. Who knows? I have to deal with what God has given me. People come and stay at the church, the church for a long time. That's what God's given me. Somebody comes to the church for the first time. That's what God's given me. Do the best you can with what you have. And by the way, you'll never be good enough to solve all the problems of who you are, where you are. You'll never be finished with that and get to move on to someone else's business. There's just too much to do. The better question is, what has God assigned me to? I used to get so frustrated with the things that, you know, I'm not very tall, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I'm not... Oh, I got to work on these things. I'm not as smart as some of these people on these things. And da, da, da. I started figuring out, you know what? I, those aren't me. How freeing was that? I mentioned earlier, how many churches have I been in since I became a Christian? Seven. How many pastors have I dealt with? At least seven. Now, let's assume. Only one of those churches was a single pastor, small church. Every one of those churches had multiple pastors. One of them was a mega church in Little Rock, and there was like 40 pastors. How many different preaching styles have I been uh, uh, subjected to, exposed to? Too many. How many, times, how many different ones did I try to emulate? Too many. You know what I finally figured out? It's the weirdest thing. It was like this revelation. Scott, you're not them. <gasps> I'm not? Be yourself. I don't know anybody who preaches like me. I love it. I get to be unique. But that's when I started having the confidence to just keep doing what you're doing. Some people will like it and they'll stay. Some people will go to a different church. Praise God. You need to be where you need to be, right? Now, if you're not using anything where you are, don't blame me, right? That is not my job, right? Video my kids used to play all the time with somebody saying that. That is not my job, right? Um, my job is to be me. Your job is to be you. And the more we work on that, the less time we have to point at others compare, contrast, or get into any of that. We need to spend our time figuring out what measure of grace has God afforded us. What health, what intelligence, what experience, what resources, what time. What are you going to do with it? By the way, how much time do you have? <laughs> no. No. Nobody knows how much time you have. This has been my worst year ever in my life. Multiple family members with surgeries that were unsuccessful. Multiple deaths in the family. All kinds of trouble and, and the whole thing. Now what do I do with that? God assigned me to that. Why? He wanted me there in those moments, in those times, to be there and be who He's called me to be for my family or extended family or other people or whatever. To lead, follow, to shut up, to speak up, figure out what's appropriate and do the best you can with it. And then try to enjoy it. And say, God, 
what am I to know from the experiences you've given me and the places you've put me in, the relationships I've been able to have? I think most of the time God's asking the question, are you worried about what you're missing out on? Do you have that fear of missing out or somehow you got the raw deal or you were supposed to have something and what you're doing then is you are discounting, you are crushing the value of what I did give you, what you do know, what you can experience. And you're tossing it out as if it's worthless. I've given you the greatest things for you specifically, designed for you specifically. Embrace them. Do the best that you can. It changes your perspective. I'm standing in a room with 100 people. I have no idea what their life is like. They've started 50 plus churches. One guy was kidnapped, chained to a pole, and they beat and whipped him. <laughs> you know what he did? I think I'm going to go start some more churches. <laughs> what? And we're standing in this group. There's, there's 15 of us and, and they're called untouchable. And I, I couldn't get that idea out of my head. And our group leader and, the other, and their group leader got together and said, hey, have Scott teach. I'm like, oh, what? By the way, this is part of a Four and a half hour meeting, worship slash prayer, service, testimonies, singing, four and a half hours. In the middle of that, Scott, why don't you get up and why don't you preach to them? What can I possibly say? And it has to be translated. Half of what I do is based on humor. No reference for what's funny to them. I made a joke about you, uh, by the way, to them. I said, I appreciate you all. You all smile so much. I'm going to have to go home and teach Americans how to smile because they're always so serious. And then I made a face. All right. They thought that was funny. Anyways. Um, but I got to the end of this. The service, it's been four and a half hours, and I'm looking at these people, and they are singing and hands up, I can't show you the video of it because they don't want us to show faces. I'm going to show you some parts of it next week. The intensity of what was going on. And I'm looking at them. I was like, how are they untouchable? They closed the service. We, we had prayed for them and the whole thing. And they closed the service. They came up in different groups from different areas and we prayed over them. And then they closed the service and we're starting to dismiss. And I just, I just walked out in the crowd. I started grabbing people. Come here, untouchable. I'm touching you today, bro. Come here, grab him, give him a hug. And this other guy, grabbing it. I'm group hugging everybody I can. And as I'm grabbing them, I'm grabbing the next. I think I got almost all of them. I, some of them might have been like, crazy white guy coming through the crowd. I'm out of here. Right? But I did. I, you know, it, it, it was what I could do in that moment. I was like, hey, maybe that's all he's assigned me to here. I made some stuff up and I shared a verse and I prayed during the sermon part. At the end, it was like, look, what am I assigned to here? How about I just grab them? How about I touch the untouchables? Uh, really messed with me. Anyways, uh, let, let's enjoy what God's assigned us to. And then let's remember this. A useful grace is functional. It's functional. What's that mean? Put in another term. This is an interactive portion of the morning. At home, they're yelling out answers at the TV right now. It's practical. It's useful. It starts with W, rhymes with jerks. Works. Us jerks can actually do stuff that works. That's pretty cool. It's functional. Why? Why, is it fun Why would he give us stuff that was functional? Why would he keep us on the planet after we're saved to be functional? to get some stuff done? <laughs> Does he have things he wants to do? Amen. And watch this. It's functional and it differs. Be different. Enjoy your avenue. I know some of, some of you, you're like a little bit different than second service people, right? Have you noticed that? We got, we got three very distinct congregations at Rock Bible Church. 
we got our type A, 9 a.m. Sunday morning service. I'm going to come in and be in person. I'm going to sit up close and then I'm going to get my stuff and then I'm going to get on to the rest of the day, right? Some of you are NFL football fans and so you want to get home to watch the game. Most of you, you're just, that's really where you're wired. Then we got our online people at 9 a.m. They get on, oh, I got my alert from YouTube. Oh, bing, I'm going to sit at home and drink my coffee and da da and whatever. And that, that's great. And then we have our 11 o'clock, like the crowd. I want to sleep in and then I want to be around a whole bunch of people and I want the uncut, unrecorded version that's a little more spicy, let's call it. Right? Why, why do we do that? You know, I was, I was anti-recording and filming video for Sundays. Like for the first, for years and years and years. The staff would say, oh no, we need to do this. Like, no. I, I apologize to the world because God gave us COVID so that I would have to go online. <laughs> right? And now we started doing, why do we do the three different ones? Because people are different. They have different needs. They have different expectations. They have different comfort levels. They have different buttons, right? I'm really good at pushing people's buttons, and so I want to make sure I push everybody's buttons. Uh, we, we need to enjoy our differences. And just own it. And when you see somebody going off and doing something, and you say, ah, oh, I don't know. I don't think I could go all the way to India and go through all that... It sounds exhausting and I'm to this or to that or I don't want to or blah, blah, blah. You know what you could say? That's great. That's for Scott and Brent. Pray for us. And let them do their thing. But figure out what yours is. And do your different thing. Maybe you're a small group person. Great. Be one of the best small group people you can be. Maybe you're a prayer person where you write out extensive lists and you pray for those things Every single day, these uh, master, uh, what are they called, Brent? Master, master trainers. They got at the very end, after we did the prayer thing for each group, right before we broke, the lead guy got up and he said, this guy, he's from this church. The name of his church is this. You will all add him to your list and their church name to your list and you will pray for him and his church every day from now on. And I was like, that's pretty awesome for Chris. Then he's like, this is Scott and this is Brent. And they go to Rock Bible Church and you will add their names and their church to your prayer list and you will pray for them every day from now on. And I thought, this is so backwards. We should be praying for them. But they're different over there. They got lists. They pray over every single day. It was amazing when the leader said, get out your prayer list. It's like, bam, all these guys got paper in their pens and they're like starting to write. And I was like, whoa, seriously has them trained. <laughs> right? I'm thinking, how can I manipulate my congregation? <laughs> you know? no, I just, all right. So uh, it's assigned by God. It's functional and it differs. Number three, it's measured by faith. And I want you to take a little liberty with this one. Because God has assigned you a measure of faith for you to use it and exercise it. When you use an exercise, a muscle, what happens to it? It gets bigger and stronger and the faith grows. Figure out what your measure of faith is and see if you can start growing it. Because there was a time that I had 100% doubt that I could ever start a church. Let me say this more theologically correct. I had 100% doubt that God could ever start a church through me. And who was I really doubting? I was doubting God. Bam, I love it. Church, ask the question, the answer is God, and I gotcha. Right? I wasn't doubting myself. I was doubting God. Had to learn that one the hard way. Right? Figure out what your measure of faith is. Figure out what you're willing to pray for and then start praying for it. What you're willing to do towards it. Trust Him for. And then jump in both hands, both feet. Uh, tell someone else about it. Accountability. Ask for prayer about it. Ask for help with it. 
see where it goes. Right? So it's assigned by God. It's functional and it differs. It's measured by faith. And then this last one, it's humble. Useful grace is humble. Pride comes before the fall. And I've walked into too many rooms with pride. Let's not tell those stories. But I think one of the greatest things that happened in the last 10 days is the humbling of what I got to see. I told you earlier that this is the worst year of my life for me and for my family. Guess what? Not been God's worst year ever. It really hasn't. I found proof. He's alive and well, kicking tail, taking ground like we've never seen before. One Less than 1% of India is Christian today. Hold on for that for a cup of coffee because that's going to grow. It's going to be 2% quick and it's going to keep going after that. God has no bad years. Huh. So when I say I had my worst year ever, who am I really doubting? God again. He causes all things to happen for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Just we've yet to understand it at times, and it gets revealed later. Amen? Amen. Uh, so how do we be humble and give God credit? Right? We stick to those seven things. Baptism, communion, prayer, fasting, giving, service. Right? Um, and then we see what God does with it. The humble end up uh, inheriting the earth, I think. The meek shall inherit the earth. I'm pretty sure there was a guy that said that. He was fairly famous. Yeah. Um, and then watch this one. This one's kind of fun, right? Humble. Useful grace is humble and high. Remember at verse 3 it said, remember not to think too highly. Too highly. Hmm. Okay, so I can't think too highly of myself. Okay, then what's the default? Just high. Not low. None of us were destined for failure. You were destined for high. Enjoy the high that he's destined you for, that he's assigned to you. Rather than thinking that you've got to be a little bit farther ahead. What if you thought of your current position, your current status, your current relationships, your whatever, as I'm actually in a high position? Well, I don't know, Scott. That's starting to sound like pride. We're getting close. We're getting close. But if you were to feel good about something without pride, what would you call it? It rhymes with providence and starts with a C. Confidence. What if you had confidence in where God put you rather than pride? It's close. They're similar, but one comes with humility. One's very effective. One draws people in. One calls people to decision. And now you're being useful. Now you're accomplishing something between salvation and grave. Amen? I watched people who have no human argument for being confident and having faith in the Lord with full faith and confidence. They walk to the next town hours and just camp out in a town with nothing, trying to meet someone. And when they meet someone, they share their story. 
their Jesus story and then how they're different now. And they call them to decision. These people accept Christ and then they start churches in their own homes. And then these people move on to the next town in the middle of the poorest state in all of India. Who've been told that they're untouchable. And yet they're more useful than we are? No, we can't say more, Scott, because we're not doing compare contrast. Amen? But we can say they're useful. How can you be useful? Because you're a part of the body. Many members. And Christ still has you here for a reason. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thanks. Uh, Give us specifics, Lord. I, I pray that you would help us even now to be thinking in our minds, who's that person, that relationship that I can pursue? What's that thing that I can invest in? What's that other piece that I should start avoiding? How can I be obedient to you? What in my faith could use more attention not because others have done it, but because it's, it's poignant for me. It fits me. Show each of us, Lord, what we're to be. Help us to value it, and ultimately, Lord, more importantly, to value you and your decision to do what you are doing with us already. Help our acceptance process to be quick as possible. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry in India. For the Dalit people. And for being an amazing God. And proving it in them. pray, Lord, if there's anybody here who's still on their story before Christ, that they would accept you. Accept your finished work on the cross. The forgiveness of sin. And that they would start having your grace hold them. If if you're here and you've never made that decision, if you're watching online and you've never said that to God, maybe you say it this way, Lord, I want your grace to hold me from now on. As we sang earlier, I want to be useful for you. I accept your son. I accept what's going on. I accept the plan. Help me to enjoy your assignment. And then, Lord, show each of us ways to continue doing that. We thank you for, Lord, uh, our church and the opportunities and resources you've given us that allow us to have the experiences we're having. Pray that you would continue that. Bless us, Lord, that we might be a blessing. Amen. Amen. He took the bread and he broke it to symbolize it. He said, look, I'm going to break myself for you. He went to extreme measures to show us. You have great, you have grace and use and effectiveness. You need to remember that. Find rituals that you can do regularly to remember me because I'm going to break my body and I'm going to shed my blood. The next night he did it. Three days later he conquered death. You know he had their attention. Let's give God our attention from this day forward. We got 
little items here you can just come up, dip it, and have a moment with God. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your son, for his sacrifice on the cross, what it defines, what it proves, what it dictates, what it commands, so many things beyond what we could ever understand. But may we be clear and confident today that it draws us in, because that's your intention. You want to function with us. And so we thank you for the great lengths that you and your son took that your spirit continues to take. Grab hold of us, Lord. Draw us in. And then send us out. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on up. You know what happens when you decide to be useful? When you work to be obedient unto usefulness? Let me show you a video of what this looks like. I got two videos I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you the first one right now. Then we're gonna have our blessing and say goodnight, Alice, and turn off the feed. Those of you who are here, I'll show you the second one. All right, let's watch this. This is India, Northern India. beginning of a line of baptisms you're about to see the line single one of these people went through a baptism class. Look at this line. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. May you be useful. Amen. Go with him. All right.